We're looking at Numbers, chapter 21, reading between verses 4 and 9. Numbers, chapter 21. The bronze snake. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way, and they spoke against God, against Moses, and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They hit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Well, it is such a privilege today to be ordaining Sam. Sam, Claire, Joshua and Daniel have become much-loved members of our church family here at Christchurch, and I know we will keep them in our prayers. What is the essential message Sam has been entrusted to to proclaim? Today we continue our series in the Old Testament book of Numbers. God's people, the Israelites, have been freed from slavery in Egypt but are yet to enter the promised land of Canaan, also known as Israel. The people consistently rebel against God. They refused to attack the Canaanites. They lacked the faith to believe that God would give them victory. As a result, they're condemned to wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They regularly complain about the food and water God has provided them with. And that sets up a pattern which we see again today. The people complain against God. God sends punishment. The people repent. God sends rescue. And we'll see today that is essentially to be the shape of Sam's ministry. Firstly, the people complain against God, verse 4. They travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. The people are condemned to this 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, verse 4b, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God 
and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. This was entirely untrue. God did not rescue his people only for them to die in the wilderness. He rescued them to possess the promised land. But this generation will now die in the wilderness because of their lack of faith and their lack of courage, their failure to possess the land. Only Joshua and Caleb will live to enter the land since they were willing to obey God and attack. Christians have always seen in the complaining of the children of Israel a picture of the Christian on their pilgrimage through the the wilderness of this life all the way to our promised land, which is heaven. The great hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer, is sung at rugby matches in Cardiff, often, I'm afraid, with absolutely no understanding. But that hymn sets out the kind of theology I'm describing. Guide me, O thou great Redeemer, pilgrim through this barren land. And then, when I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside, death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side. Do you get the picture? Just as the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, so God is guiding us on our pilgrimage. One day, we will stand on the verge of Jordan, the river that marked the border of Israel, and we will cross over into the promised land. In other words, we will cross over into heaven. We will cross over into heaven if we belong to Jesus Christ. If we've made him our rescuer and our king. If we've rejected King Jesus, he will have no choice but to reject us and to consign us to hell forever. Therefore, it's a wonderful truth that hell has been destroyed for the Christian. It holds no terrors for the believer. So I need to ask you, do you know that your earthly pilgrimage will end in heaven? If you do, don't make the same mistake as the Israelites. Don't give way to the temptation to complain and grumble against God. Secondly, God sends punishment, verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many died. 
God takes it seriously when we sin against him. God has given us life and health and all things. Our part is to thank him and serve him. Someone has written, what if God took the radical step of setting a deadline for ridding the world of evil? Suppose God announces that next Monday at midnight, he will step in and stop all suffering caused by evil people. How would he do that? Let's say God decides to use a tool carried by many police officers, a taser gun. A taser gun shoots an individual with a temporary high-voltage current of electricity. The makers of taser guns claim that a shock lasting half a second will cause intense pain and muscle contraction. Two to three minutes will cause a person to become dazed and drop to the ground. Anything longer than three seconds will drop an attacker for up to 15 minutes. The makers of taser guns boast of a 95% compliance rate. In other words, hit a person with enough electricity and you can get him to do anything. Well, imagine, when the deadline for stopping evil comes, God gets us to comply with his wishes by shocking us. Start to tell a lie and you're hit with a half-second zap. Try to rob a person and you get two seconds of shock. A would-be murderer would be incapacitated. However, knowing that evil thoughts often lead to evil actions, God also zaps us for sinister thoughts. But God's still not finished. Since it's evil to fail to do good when given the opportunity, God zaps us for failing to show mercy, kindness and justice. As a result, people are zapped for doing evil acts, thinking evil thoughts and failing to do what is right. What would be the result? A world of twitchy people who obey God like cowering, beaten dogs. God doesn't function like that. God is incredibly gracious to us. Although we sin against him in thought and word and deed, although we disobey him, and fail to do what is right so often. God doesn't just strike us down. God allows us to go on enjoying life for many decades often. But he does promise that one day punishment will come. Punishment for all our sinful failure. Hebrews 9.27 in the Bible says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, 
So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. There is the warning and the promise which are to characterize Sam's ministry. There is a coming day when we will die once and face the judgment of God. Jesus himself will make a decision about us, heaven or hell. But just as we die once, so Jesus died once to take away the sins of many. When Jesus died on the cross, our sin, if we belong to him, was transferred from us to Jesus. And there on the cross, Jesus paid for our sin. He took the blame for it. He took the punishment for it. This means we may be completely forgiven. Thirdly, the people repent. The Israelites do what you and I must do when God confronts us with our sin, verse 7. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. That's a very clear picture of what we must do. We must come not to Moses, but to Jesus. And we must say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against God. I have disobeyed you and broken your laws. Please forgive me. And when we come to Jesus like that, he always forgives us. He always says, yes, I forgive you. I took your punishment when I died on the cross. You may now be completely forgiven. You may now be blessed, not punished. You may go to heaven, not hell. And fourthly, God sends rescue. The Israelites were being bitten to death by venomous snakes. They turned from their sin, and therefore God sent rescue. Verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Do you get the simple picture? If you were bitten by a snake, all you had to do was look at the bronze snake and you would be healed. Verse 9. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. 
Jesus said that the bronze snake was a picture of Jesus himself lifted up on the cross. And in the same way, just as the Israelites had to look to the snake, so all we have to do is look to the cross and we can be forgiven and given a place in heaven. Jesus said in John 3, 14 and 15, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. When you looked at the bronze snake, you were in effect saying, I believe you, God. I believe your promise. I believe you will heal me. In the same way, we must look at Jesus on the cross in our mind's eye. And we must say, I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you are able to forgive my sin and take me to heaven. So that is the shape of the message that Sam has been ordained today, faithfully to proclaim. Sam, there'll be many pressures on you to deviate from this simple gospel message. People will say, oh, you don't believe all that, do you? You don't believe the Bible. You don't believe in heaven and hell. And you will face a decision. Will I please the skeptics? Will I emerge with my intellectual respectability? Or will I preach the one true gospel? There is your choice. The future of your ministry and the future of your Christian life depends on that decision. And if you are not yet a Christian, can I say, it's lovely to have you here with us today. But you too face a choice. What will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus says that he was lifted up on the cross like the bronze snake was lifted up. And each one of us must look to the cross to be forgiven. What will you do with that offer? Of course, you may have many questions. We can provide you with literature, which goes over the evidence for why the Bible is true and trustworthy. Supremely, the evidence that Jesus did rise from the dead. If he rose from the dead, that validates his claim to be God 
and to be the saviour of the world. We'd love to go over the evidence for Christianity in a small group with you. You really would be most welcome. But now for today, let's keep praying for Sam and for Claire and for Joshua and Daniel that God would protect them and bless them in their ministry. Let's pray. Father, we do pray again for Sam and for Claire and for Joshua and for Daniel that you would bless and protect them and that together they will proclaim this gospel message to all those whom they encounter. Lord, use them in the years to come to win many for Christ and to make lifelong disciples of him. We pray for any here this morning who are not yet believers in Jesus. Please would you work in them by your Holy Spirit and bring them to a point of looking to the cross as the Old Testament people of God had to look to the bronze snake. Lord, grant that each one of us might look and live, might look and be forgiven. And Lord, for each one of us, keep us looking to the cross, keep us trusting in Christ for our salvation and for all that we need for this life. Keep us looking to Jesus. Keep us from, Lord, looking anywhere else. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.